No matter where your business is today or where you want to take it, you'll get there faster and more profitably with an operating system. Welcome to Team OS, your guide to starting, growing, and optimizing a real estate team. Here's your host, Ethan Butte. Barry, welcome back to the Team OS podcast. Oh, super excited to yeah. be here, Ethan. Uh, I was really happy to have you as one of uh, the first guests on the show uh, in in the traditional format. I'm really happy to sit down in person. This is a whole different like feel, and I love it. <sighs> totally, yeah. yeah. It's so intimate, right? It's yeah. just casual, intimate. It's great. Yeah, and apparently, according to John, who is uh, masterminding all of this video and audio capture, uh -huh. sounds amazing too. Does it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to John. Um, but I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you off the top of the last one. Okay. And you may give me a, the same answer or a different one, mm -hmm. and you won't even know. You'll I, just Whatever's true in the moment is what's going to occur to you. I know. It's kind of um, scary, actually. What's a, what's a must-have characteristic of a high-performing team? Oh, pivot. Yeah, you got you to gotta be able to pivot. The industry changes so quickly, and that's both the blessing and the curse of real estate. Mm -hmm. um, and so being able to ad pivot, adapt to what's going on around you and monetize it, make the most of it, I just think it's vital. Um, because if not, you get a fixed way of doing business that works for a season and then it doesn't. So that's, uh, for me, I kind of like making money. So I want to keep, keep that going. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And, um, from a personal standpoint, um, pivot maybe in leadership style over the years, like mm -hmm. what, or, or, I mean, it's hard to separate, you know, personal growth from professional growth, yeah. but like in that zone, do you have any examples that come to mind in terms of like a pivot where there's like maybe a moment or an instance mm -hmm. or an occurrence and you're like, I got, I can't do it that way anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an incredible subject. And I think one aspect of, of the pivot would be how I deal with people. And one of the things that I learned that I needed to start doing was that it was actually kind to be uh, upfront in a respectful way with people instead of making them guess, right. Yeah. Or being um, uh, passive aggressive, for example, but to be very clear that they are not meeting my expectations. And because I like making people happy, I kind of uh, allow them to kind of make their own demise. And so when they join an agent on my team joins, I'll say to them, what are your expectations for yourself? Mm -hmm. And then they tell me what they want. And then um, I ask permission to hold them accountable to what it is they say that they want. And so by doing that, I'm using their dream for what success looks like for them. And then I'm, I've been given an opportunity to speak into their life because candidly, I think sometimes we assume just because we have broker or manager on the door that we have the license to speak into others' lives and what direction they're going to go. And candidly, that's just not the truth. Yeah. That's why they walk out of our offices and roll their eyes like, oh, this freaking guy. I want to have an impact. And so the one aspect is me changing how I deal with them. But then the other is adaptability to them. Some of them in the discussion of can I hold you accountable, some of them need a lot of help. Others want a lot more flexibility. And so having that dance in a conversation to where, how can I help you help yourself is another aspect of this adaptability, but it all is centered on communication. Yeah. Communication is it. Yeah. I feel like so many problems start and problems are avoided through Dude, good and bad communication. I'm telling you, yeah. it's, it's such a big deal. Yeah. Who, um, who have you given permission to hold you accountable? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, so I have three mentors in my life that, um, they, uh, first of all, let me say this. I don't like being held accountable. I, I don't because, um, I'm, a, a self, uh, starter. Um, I push myself really hard anyway, to the point that sometimes I'll get frustrated with myself. I don't need somebody saying, did you do this? Did you do that? However, 
there's one Wailopo employee that actually asked me recently, yeah, you know, hey, I see you're trying to change your diet. Would you like me to check on you? So it's not, what'd you do, what you didn't do? Uh, Jeff Broger, amazing dude um, and smart guy. And he'll just text me every Friday. Hey, how are you doing on your macros? And it's uncomfortable, but, uh, but I enjoy it because it's a discussion. So, yeah. um, so it depends on the topic, but yeah, multiple, multiple areas. Awesome. So in our, uh, in the other episode you and I recorded together, thank mm-hmm. you again for that. Yeah. It's a pleasure. I think so it was fun. like almost, almost an hour long. Um, we, we didn't do as much as I wanted to, cause I, we had a lot of ground to cover and mm-hmm. I had a lot of questions and you, like, as we said before we even started this one, yeah. like we could talk for hours and hours and hours. True. Um, I really love to spend, you know, 10 minutes or so in this whole zone of your team became obviously a dominant presence inside the brokerage. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you and, and the other owners of the brokerage mm-hmm. made a decision to merge the rest of the agents yep. into the team. Mm-hmm. So that's one big zone. Yeah. Kind of like that why and then the how mm-hmm. and then the what next. Um, and then you've also acquired another brokerage and mm-hmm. folded that into the team. And I think both of those moves are something that a lot of people will wonder about. Yeah. Either out of curiosity alone, yeah. that's what's driving me. Yeah. Um, but then also practically like, oh, that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that. So um, let's start with the um growth of your own team inside the brokerage and mm-hmm. at what point did the conversation start around should this be a team ridge yeah absolutely um so i'm going to add another layer of complexity Please. to this it's my family we <laughs> own the brokerage and so i had a third of the agents on my own team that i had recruited and i had grown and it was super profitable but what i saw coming was a shift where I had to optimize life changes in my life, market changes. There was a lot of compelling reasons to start to make changes. And so what we had to do was we had to have a meeting of the minds is how, how can we merge our, our staff, our resources in a way that optimizes what we do have and uh, cut out waste, also have one central message as an organization. <laughs> um, and so margins were cut in the negotiations. Like, hey, if this happens, I'll give you this. And then they would counter back and it's honestly i think it's worse or not worse is a bad it's more difficult when it's family because mm-hmm. it's it's family like you know and so um but as we did that you know um you know i became an owner as well and the um the looking back uh we we were able to uh, streamline our training in a way that we have never had the performance from our agents that we have now um because it's one central message instead of these confusing business models um, and then, um, uh, which has increased profitability, uh, retention has gotten better because the people feel like they're a part of something so I could, I could go on and on of all the positive impacts of merging forces. Yeah. How did you, how did, how did this get communicated to the agents on both sides? Those yeah. within the team and those outside the team, but in the brokerage. So that actually, to me is something I'm particularly proud of, uh, the way that I was able to negotiate the margins, we actually didn't impact the agent's commissions. So this was a paper transition. We actually didn't have to make any major announcements. Agents don't like change. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen if Barry changes? He's not around anymore. I knew I was going to be around. So we made a paper merging. Um, We did change a lot of processes. And so that was the change the agents felt. But I didn't go to them and say, hey, we've got this major merger and acquisition. Be ready for all this. And 
I just, I felt like that was a really bad plan. Mm -hmm. And so we worked with the margins that we had. Um, and I'm a big believer that, um, I want to optimize time is so important to me. I, I'm a creative, I'm a writer. I work, I'm making technology products. Um, and so for me, I wanted to have an arrangement that was profitable and fair, but also allowed me, allowed me the freedom to follow my passions. Mm -hmm. And so the observation was we have a lot of duplicated effort inside your team and outside Software. in the brokerage. We have two yeah. follow-up boss instances, for example. Yeah. Separate follow-up boss accounts, right? Merge those separate call action accounts, separate Wailopo accounts, separate, everything was separate. And so this merging uh, in a way that made sense for the both of us, uh, turned out to be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it allowed us an environment where we felt comfortable buying another brokerage. Mm -hmm. So thank you for the segue. Got you, bro. Appreciate it. <laughs> so how did that come about? I mean, cause there, there are, there are a number of unique factors there. I mean, obviously there's something about that brokerage that attracted those agents in the first place, whether it was you and your team, but you, you know, your reflection of the brokerage as well. Like the fact that all of those folks could kind of be brought together. Yeah is a lot easier, I think, than bringing people from yeah. outside. Totally. Is it an independent? An independent brokerage, yep. yep. Um, that makes it a little bit easier, I think. It does. What makes it a lot easier is I help my competition. Whether, when, and how to leave sales production, it's one of the biggest challenges and hardest transitions in the growth of your team or brokerage. That's why it comes up in many of our conversations here on Real Estate Team OS. For instant access to two subscriber-only episodes on this challenge, visit realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. You'll get email exclusive insights and guest previews every week. You'll get subscriber only episodes as they release, and you'll instantly get how to leave sales production successfully and why to stay in sales production. Two episodes, nearly an hour of content with perspectives from a dozen team leaders on the biggest challenge and hardest transition you'll face. Sign up right now at realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. And not so that I can recruit them. Yeah. Actually, this particular brokerage, I had helped on several occasions and done training on lead conversion. And when their agents, um, I had two instances where their agents contacted me offline and said, hey, I'm leaving yada, yada, yada. Um, I'd like to join forces with you. I'm sorry. Your broker trusted me. It's an, to me, it's an ethics violation for me to go in and train your people. And then you come and recruit me. And that's how I do things. And that's mm -hmm. why my market trusts me to go to their, their events and they know Barry's going to treat me right. So there's a trust there. The broker had a life change. Business changed dramatically when rates first went up. Um, we were able to leverage our relationship with um, Anywhere, who owns you know, Better Homes and Gardens. Uh, and um, they have a fantastic uh, mergers and acquisitions department. They went through the P&L. They, they, they went through um, what it looks like financially, whether or not they wanted to be involved. And of course I can't you know, say whether they were or not, but having, having them, their money, their brains and you know, their process, they facilitated. And as long as we hit our numbers, they're, they're like happy as can be. And because we're a teamerage, so we're giving the, the opportunities to our agents at scale, we always, we crush our numbers. Like that's not a, that's never been a problem. So mm -hmm. it's, it just, it worked out and we're doing more. We yeah. realized like, wait a second, hold on, hold on, hold on. Somebody else's money, 30 agents. Yes, please. Yeah. Like it was just fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Talk about that human side of it. Um, how did 
this get communicated internally and how did it get communicated to those folks that were coming coming alongside y'all sales meeting um we we announced that we were merging um and um you know a lot of concern honestly there was a lot of concern because we were going up in size by about a third mm -hmm. uh we're giving leads to our agents mm -hmm. am i gonna lose my leads yeah. and so there were i can think of three instances where agents had significant concerns and um, I remained empathetic. I listened, um, and I tried to coach them through it. And two out of the three, um, stayed with us. The one that left didn't leave right away. And she only left that I know of, um, because she said she got a better opportunity somewhere else, but she, you know, we remained friends, but we really didn't have any fallout other than that. Mm -hmm. Of the, and you don't need to be specific, but like of the concerns that were brought to you by these agents, were they things that you had already considered or were some of them like, ah, I never thought about it that way. They were not only things we considered, but things we spoke to. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that when you're listening to someone talk, I don't know the math, maybe you know, but it's a very small percentage of what the person remembers. They, mm -hmm. they remember how you made them feel. Yeah. They don't remember what you said. Yeah. And this instance was no different. So yeah. we, um, we just did a really good job of communicating. And when someone expressed concern, we said, you know, look, you're valued. Here's how we're valuing you. And here's what we're going to continue to do. And I would always jokingly say, look, like leads, it's a great problem to have. If I don't have enough leads, all I got to do is turn dials, spend a little bit more money. Like it's, it's really, this is great. I, I hope I run out of leads, yeah. you know, for me, cause it's not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, not only do people not remember everything, I mean, you say it once and you say it twice and you say it in a different channel and you say it in a different way you know, for people to get into it. The other thing too, in the, in a dynamic like this is that people will hear what you're saying. It'll set off the panic button maybe, and they can't get past anything else besides that. It's like, I just hear the alarm. This, well, sound, this sounds dangerous. Yeah. So I had, um, a couple of team leaders, uh, eight years ago. Um, I had a really, I was experimenting with a, a, a model of scale with squad leaders where basically middle level management, I gave them too much and they left with my mm -hmm. agents. And some agents left because other agents were leaving. They were like, well, if they left, I guess I'm going to leave too. And I learned from that, that agents, the market's already so volatile when their home base feels shaky and scary. Um, I think that they look for reasons. They're always being recruited if they're good anyway. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for safety and security. And so if you're going to merge your business with another one uh, and then merge your business with another one, um, you really have to be, uh, kit gloves. You've got to be really gentle with your people and understand that they're scared and you can talk them through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Has this, um, it, it feels like you have some interest and appetite for this. Um, is this like a, a, a new thing on your radar? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. Uh, it's really expensive and hard to recruit agents. And so if you can do it by business dealings, um, I'm kind of obsessed with it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I sincerely hope that nobody leaves the business yeah. during this hard market. However, I think logic tells me that there's going to be a lot of people that don't make it through. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are uh, primed to be a good partner to them and strike business deals with them that are profitable for them and for us. It's no different than in 2011. I knew low rates and low home prices we're not going to happen soon. So I bought one house a month with other people's money. I wasn't rich. Mm -hmm. I borrowed $2 million 
right? But my family changed financially forever as a result of that. So you've got to take the market conditions and look for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, profitability. You've used that term a number of times. Yep. Obviously, it's, it is the necessary ingredient to have the privilege to continue doing what we're mm-hmm. doing. Um, when you're in much more intimate environments uh, than something with Could microphones be and being broadcast. This is pretty intimate, bro. It, it, well, <laughs> for what it is, yeah. it's very much so. Um, but like, what are a couple of keys for people that are figuring it out in a tough market? And where are some people still hung up? So um, I, I really want to speak to those people because... Uh, if your business is based off of your salespeople talking to customers, people, and you're only making money when the, the leads or the people have clarity on what their needs are. So uh, to make it, bring it down a step further, if I can only close a lead that calls me and says, will you help me find a house? That's what I just said, right? Then you're going to struggle to scale in a hard market and in a good market. This is a confusing process, right? Having clarity of what you want is not something that's attained overnight. Mm-hmm. As a business, fundamentally, you have got to learn how to talk to people that start the conversation with, I don't know, I'm waiting a year. If you can monetize that person, you'll never run out. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, I like studying business models and I don't know if you know of like, there's a, a East Coast gas station called Wawa. And I used to go to 7-Eleven all the time, but Wawa, they, uh, they have free hand sanitizer, free air for your tires. There's no doors on the bathroom. Um, this sounds silly. I know you're like, where, where are you going with this, Barry? But their business, um, they have an amazing sandwich shop. And um, people go there to get gas because they have to. They're like, well, I'll go in and get, go to the bathroom. It's a nice environment. 50% of their revenue is off of uh, food sales, right? So they're just bringing people in in droves. And that's what you can do. You can bring in casual, interested people and monetize them the same way gas stations monetize traffic to, to sell food and become mm-hmm. profitable businesses. Businesses that do what I just said are going to be just fine through this period of time because mm-hmm. we're not selling vacuums. We're, we're selling houses and people still want a house over their or a roof over their head. Yeah. Yeah, really good. I like the analogy too. I've also heard that they're famous for their coffee as well. Coffee's which would fantastic. Be, which would be something to bring people into the yeah. into the facility. It's interesting too the way um, I see a lot of parallels there. Now you have me thinking about the gas stations that are consistently like well lit, approximately clean. There's no flickering, right? You know, uh, a bulb overhead that's like uh, I don't feel that's Seven Eleven. If you feel yeah, like you're, yeah. uh, they're doing you a solid when you have to use their restroom. Yeah, like at Wawa, it's like they want you there, you know. Yeah, and that's why I go there. Yeah, totally. I really and and it's so it's it's um, it's hospitality mm-hmm. at some level. It's an invitation to do more than the transaction. The transaction is credit card, fill up the gas, drive away, no interaction, no conversation, no opportunity to, to to experience your hospitality, except maybe whatever the setting is out at the, out at the pumps. I, I I like Tesla superchargers there as well. Right. So they're really like, they're bringing the Teslas over, you know, like, so they're really thinking about increasing traffic and we need to think as business owners the same way with our websites. And that's why we have signs on the door, you know? Yeah. You got to think about all those things. Yeah. The, the other thing I appreciate about the way that you're talking about talking to people yeah. is that 
um, you're meeting them where they are. And instead of, um, I know this is like gross and oversimplified, but like, instead of saying, Hey, are you ready for what I have? Mm -hmm. It's opening up a conversation Mm -hmm. and helping them see the world in a different way. Really yeah, getting them to understand their own needs and wants. They think they want something or they think they have a limitation. And you ask a couple why layers right. and well, tell me more about that. Like, exactly. why is that the case? Yeah. And, and that's servant leadership. Mm-hmm. So if I'm for old school leadership is I'm going to stand on top of the mountain, yell to all the people at the bottom. Hey, I'm up here. Come on. Right. Get up here. Yep. And that's what agents are doing. Do you know what you want yet? Come on up. I'm ready. Right. And what I'm advocating is you go down to the bottom of the mountain and say, look, I know you have no idea. I'm going to put my arm around you. We're going to walk out this process. And not that this is a lead conversion podcast, but I will tell you something. When leads start off the conversation with, I don't know what I want yet. And we say, I understand. We're going to meet. I'm glad you don't know what you want. Let's meet. Consistently, those people end up buying if they get approved within three to four months. Mm -hmm. So when people ask me, how long does it take to convert a Google lead? I, I say, well, let me ask you, are you going to be involved in them figuring it out? If not, it's going to take you a year. They're going to take a year to figure it out. Or are you going to start block and tackling their problems for them? If so, three to four months. And this scales fantastically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's baked into training across more agents than, say, 18 months ago. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and I can only imagine what that does. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. The clarity of messages. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, a, a leadership, an entrepreneurial ownership, leadership culture. And now we've got agents that are kind of taking this message and they're building their own businesses off of mm-hmm. it. Um, they're building teams under my team as a result of what we're doing. And it's working fantastically. Man, you just gave me a topic for another, another episode Let's do it. <laughs> building teams under, uh, within your team. I, I know that that's happening obviously within your team. And I think in our first conversation, you referred to what, like a, a joy it was <sighs> for you to see that happening. So much fun. And, uh, and I know it's happening in some other, um, team models as well. And so, um, I look forward to that conversation and Barry, I've already asked you, all three of my this or that questions. So I made up a new one for you. Oh, geez, I'm nervous. And I don't intend <laughs> for it to be politically charged in any way. All right, let's go. New York or LA? I'm going to go with New York because I went to the most amazing jazz bar that I forget the name right now, but it's like a hundred year old jazz bar um, where the, you know, the best have always been. Mm-hmm. And I went and, uh, dude, I, I got emotional. The music was so good. They had a, it was like a, a rising star night. And, um, that was just a really, I got, I feel like I got a flavor of New York in a new way. When I'm in LA, I'm at conferences. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't really got to enjoy probably a similar culture, cultural experience. So maybe I would respond differently, but yeah, that's, that's where yeah. I'm going. Totally fair. And, and it, it like every place has its strengths yeah. and, uh, I just thought that was fun because you're obviously an East Coast guy, but there's also like a... I know, love LA. I yeah. mean, I love, I love California. Um, all the places we get to go because yeah. of our work. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time in this hotel though. That's all I ever do. Yeah. <laughs> Barry, appreciate you continued Thank success. You. And I can't wait to find out more about the teams growing inside your team. Rich. Me too. I'm excited about it. Thanks for checking out this episode of Team OS. For email exclusive insights every week, Sign up at realestateteamos.com.